You're listening to the Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast with Chris Dempsey. Hello, people. Welcome back to episode 16 of Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast. I'm Chris Dempsey, your host. Uh, Please reach out. Wouldn't It Be Cool at Instagram and Facebook. And Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast, uh, gmail.com. Um, and if you would be so kind as to go to iTunes and tell your friends to go to iTunes and search Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast and um, subscribe. And then um, anyone who's been listening and digging on this, um, please leave a review. It's really helpful to be uh, to get up in the search engines and iTunes. So super helpful and greatly appreciated. Um, so like I said, episode 16 um, my guest is Sharon Jones and Sharon, um, is a, um, entertainer, um, grew up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and she's a, uh, sort of a jazz rhythm and blues singer, um, amazing voice, incredible voice. Um, I haven't had the pleasure of, um, seeing her perform yet. I'm trying to make that happen. I've listened to some and, um, yeah, crazy talented. Um, but I met her at a storytelling event in Portsmouth and, uh, she told a really cool story about, uh, growing up a black family in a very white world, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and, um, kind of around a specific event. Um, that was just a really sort of, uh, kind of touching and telling story, um, ended up being a pretty pivotal point in her upbringing as well. Um, so, um, seeing her at this performance, I thought she'd be a great guest. So I approached her and she was totally up for it. And, uh, we got together at Sonny's Tavern in Dover and, um, just sat down and had a great conversation. Uh, super sweet lady. feel like I met a great friend. Um, and I really think you'll enjoy this conversation. Um, and if you get the chance, I suppose I should plug for her, uh, the singsugar.com is her website. So, um, she's got some sound bites on there and she's, you know, her, uh, her calendar of, of events is up there. Um, she performs in, uh, Cambridge and Boston as well as Portsmouth quite often. So, uh, there's a pretty wide uh, area at this point where we can go check her out. So, uh, go, Go look her up at singsugar.com. You will not be disappointed. So, uh, yeah, sit back and enjoy meeting my friend Sharon. We're rolling. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Sunny's Tavern in lovely downtown Dover, New Hampshire. Well, I'm delighted to yeah, be in Dover, I, New Hampshire. <laughs> I appreciate you making the drive. Well, I love driving. No matter where, no yeah. matter where I'm going, I seem to love being in my car. Nice. Um, are you? Are you actually? I, I meant to ask. Are you like particularly familiar with Dover? I am. I am familiar with Dover. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we worked at the Central Wave up the street. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I have friends in Dover, and yeah. Mika. I think at one time lived. In oh, that's Dover. right. She did actually. Right, that's right. right. Yeah, because uh, I do know there's that whole stigma about coming over the bridge. 
Like some people, like they don't the, want to drive over the, the bridge. The Portsmouth people don't like coming over the bridge to Dover, but all the Dover people go over the bridge to Portsmouth. Oh, I have no problem coming over the bridge. You know, I just, I like that feeling that I'm going somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter how short or long the travel. Is it too close? Well, clo- no, a little closer. A little closer. Yeah, please. I feel like I'm loud in my... Oh, yeah, you have, yeah, you have the loud ones. Yeah. I'm okay. a- yeah, I like that feeling of being free, and, and I feel that way most of the time when I'm in my car. Well, that's funny. I feel the same way, actually. Yeah, yeah. because no one's in there with me. Yeah, it's kind of, I actually, I agree. It's like kind of cool alone time. It is. Yeah. And I love listening to certain radio programs, um, like the Diane Ream show. And NPR. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Love listening to her. And I'm having a, uh, I'm having a, um, a radio installed in my car because when I bought my car, it was a year behind the year when they had all of the equipment that you could use Bluetooth. Oh, right. And so I've got to pay extra money in order to have, be able to listen to right. serious sex and radio. Yeah, it's worth it though, and isn't it? I, it? It is. Yeah, you it know? will be. Because I love, I love listening to the old time radio shows as yeah. well. You know, yeah. the, old, the old um mysteries that used to be on uh, the radio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you a quick little funny thing. I didn't, I didn't mention this to you before, but um, I'm in a uh, play this winter, which you should come to. I will. It's up at the Garrison Players. Are you familiar with that? The, the theater in Rollinsford, like the Rollinsford. I've, uh, I've heard about it. Yeah, so Garrison Players. And it is, do you remember the Shadow old-time radio show one of my favorites oh that's so awesome so they do at garrison every winter they do a um, stage version of the radio show so the performance is you see actors stepping up to the microphone you know being the the uh, radio actor that's right performing parts and then they do things like they'll have the jingle singers on stage and singing commercials and uh, people on stage doing sound effects, like the knocking on the door right, and the walking, right. you know, the, like the, making the shoes do the walking sound across the room and stuff. Now, how long will they do that? Um, the, the whole winter? No, it's we are rehearsing right now. So I'm in the performance. I'm a couple of the characters in the, wow. uh, in the radio show. That's great. And uh, um, uh, uh, sadly... Uh, when I, by the time I air this, I'll, I'll, I'll put the dates up so other people can go. But I'll also let you know when it is. But it's in right. the, the performance is in December. I, I want to say December 19th, I think, or something like that. Okay. But it'll be over the weekend. It'll be like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. They'll do three nights of shows. That sounds But it great. sounds really cool. So I, saw, I got this email for the audition. I was like, oh, I want to do that. So Yeah, that's all interesting stuff, you know. And it, and it, take, it takes you back into a whole different... Excuse me, a whole different world of entertainment. Yeah. Where you're giving something a little bit more than, not taken away from any of the entertainers today, but I think a lot of it seems just kind of shallow to Mm. me. I can't really go with it sometimes. Yeah. And also when I was um, teaching my, the private students that I had, a lot of them would come to me and ask me to 
teach them how to sound like Whitney Houston or Beyonce. Or, right. And and I, I felt to myself how how awful this must be to not recognize that you can be just Susan or Nancy yeah. and you don't have to be Whitney or Beyonce because when they when Whitney I think first of all Whitney Houston is one of the finest singers of that era that mm. I've ever heard mm. I, she was powerful she was expressive she was creative she had her own place to go with her voice mm. and I get tired of hearing this screaming and words that don't really have a whole lot of I'm probably showing my age too but I think I think different eras that we passed through all had something significant to lend to our lives if you will yeah and different eras had things that that we celebrated and we still celebrate I don't think we're going to be celebrating a whole lot of what's going on musically right oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. just don't... I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. I, I, and I know a lot of... I have a lot of young friends that they, they invite me all the time to these rap shows and... You know, I don't... I have to be careful sometimes because I don't want to sound like... Um, I'm too judgmental about some of this because that's not where I'm going. Yeah. I think where I'm going is to be expressive and walk out onto a stage in a great outfit and to feel a song that makes you want to cry. And when you look out into the audience, they're crying. Mm. And I don't see a whole lot of singers that do that anymore. Yeah. I think you have to you have to live your music. You have to not be worried about all of the other stuff. And just sing to the audience. Tell them your story. And you can, sometimes, you know, when I'm out there, I'm tell, I tell a story before I even start singing because I, I, I want the reaction and I want to bring that audience to me before I even start singing. I want to see how well they're accepting me before I start going into a song. And I, I, I'm just from a different generation where I think that I've seen the reaction of people uh, by what I'm doing when I do that. And I, I actually, I don't know how to do it any other way. Um, like the radio show that we talked about that you're doing. That's an old form of entertainment. And yet, it's never lost its luxury. It's, it's lust- never lost its what? It's ne- never lost its luxury. Mm. If, if that's, is that the correct word? Yeah, I think luster. it is. Luster. Luster is yeah, what I yeah, meant to say. Yeah. Never lost its luck- luster is what I meant to say. In other words, you can... It's going to have a polish on it forever because that was something that that uh, was created by someone 
who knew there was an audience for it that would last for a long, long time. Mm. And that's why we, we also still, on a cold winter afternoon or evening, We'll still turn on the channel and watch movies out of the 40s. Mm. Yeah, because right. there, was, there was something about the way they walked and talked and smoked their cigarette and wore their hat. And it, it was just uh, a whole different form of acting rather than we, what we see now. Everything is loud and noisy and we need a we need we need a lot of effects in order for people to get yeah. interested. It's, back then they had very little to work with other than their their voices and, and the message that was given to them or the parts that were given to them in order to make the movie famous. Mm. And look at how many movies became famous during that era. Now you, you can go months without seeing a great movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You go years without seeing a great movie. Like the, um, the gentleman that, um, that wrote the, 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 uh, all of the parts, they were talking about him today on NPR, uh, for God the Godfather. Mm-hmm. Now, that was a great movie. Mm-hmm. You know, went into that. And uh, I can think of uh, several others, but I can't think of a whole lot of movies within the past 20 years that had that kind of significance. Yeah, it's like it's an interest. It's like an art of storytelling, right? Um, that doesn't just rely on. And I, I was I'm, I'm attaching this to the radio show too because I think I was going to ask your opinion. Do you think that um, that one of the allures to that radio show is that there's a lot left to you as the audience to to bring your imagination as part of the performance. Does that right. make sense? That makes a lot of you know, sense. And then, yeah. the, and then the, the movies that you're talking about, the good storytelling movies, even the more popular ones, sort of bring that kind of thing too versus just nothing but splash. Just image, 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 and splash. Um, that do everything for you, right? Does that make sense? It makes sense, and I and I think it's also affected the um, the movie promoters and the story writers that we don't really have anymore. Yeah, that go into that kind of depth to produce the kind of movies that we were watching. I, you know, and I don't mean that because I, I think there's a time and an, uh, or an era for everything that happened, and I think we learned from it, and that's good. But in what I'm seeing as happening in the world that we live in right now, people aren't really creating a whole lot of images and um heartfelt images mm. like you said everything is splash and lights and color and noise and it's a very noisy world to begin yeah. to begin yeah. with that we yeah, live in today I mean, sometimes I can't even stand the sound of my my dishwasher I wait till I'm ready to leave the house and I turn it on and run out of the house <laughs> <laughs> 
funny. Um, do you think that can you do you think that you can teach that kind of thing and specifically around the music? Like, can you if you had a student and you want they say I want to be Whitney Houston or I want to I want to sing like Beyonce? Can you teach them what your your uh, I don't know I'm, I don't. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but what you're wishing there was more of. I I don't I, I think that you can teach them how to be better at what they already know, mm-hmm. but I don't think you can teach them how to sing. They have to come to me with something that's already there, mm-hmm. and then I can take it and help them mold it and help them present it and i and i i really when i had uh, when i was teaching i loved the idea that i was teaching them stage presence Mm. because if they came to me a lot of those young singers really did have some great voices but i used to tell them all the time you know you can walk out there with less clothes on and yeah you can't hold an audience for four hours. You know, you don't want... I had an agent that told me one time, and it was quite a compliment. It was a long time ago. I, I had just started singing. She said, you know, Sharon? She said, I can't put... I won't name this girl's name. She said, I can put her in a room, and after that one time, I can't book her back there. She said, with you, I can put you in there over and over mm-hmm. and over again because mm-hmm. a lot of it is connecting with the audience and a lot of it is dynamics. One of my pet peeves today are bands that use no dynamics. Mm-hmm. They start out the song is loud when you walk into the room, and it's louder before you leave. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, if you listen to some of James Brown's old albums or old CDs, which they put on, they put on CD now. That used to be albums. If you listen to those CDs by James Brown, sometimes his music, most of the time, his music was very repetitious. Mm-hmm. But the dynamics that he used, you know, bringing things way up and then bringing them way down yeah, and yeah. having that drummer just cut the music in half when, you know, that type of thing. And when the drummer did that, it, it was a signal for the whole band to come down. It, that's the kind of thing that I appreciate so much in the band when I go mm. and see them. And it's, it's kind of had to find a whole lot these days. It's, Bands are they're loud, they're not listening to each other, they're not looking at each other. Mm. I'm not saying that all of them are like that, but I, I find that a lot of them are. Yeah. And I I'm kind of um I'm I'm hot on myself as an entertainer, so I'm gonna be the same when I go out and hear someone else. I don't think I don't give myself any credit for doing anything. I just know what I want. I know what I want for myself, and I know how I want it to hit the audience yeah. when I go out there. And when I can no longer do that, I'm going to stop. And everybody knows when they are not doing that anymore. 
that's why you have some singers like, I don't know, um, Nina Simone that did it forever, Sarah Vaughn that did it forever, and you know, a lot of rock singers, uh, Otis Redding, if he had if he had lived, I think he'd still be doing it. Mm. And I think James Brown was still alive, he'd still be doing it because they were the kind of, oh, um, the singer that uh, died three or four years ago. I can't, can't think of his name now. But I, I think he'd st still be out there doing it. And Whitney Houston would definitely still be out mm. there. So I think you have to, you have to craft um, your music and your image you have in, in such a manner that it sustains you and that people are excited when they know you're coming and when they don't look like they're yeah. excited anymore. Time for you to go home. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting uh, conversation though when you say because um, uh, we're, we're the, the conversation is about um, having the um, in, innate ability to know these things you know to right. know feel and to know your audience but then the concept of crafting it right you know which which is a, a another layer to an artist right that's right that's yeah. right and, and you know what i gotta tell you i'm i'm always using the word worried i'm not as worried as i am um concerned and sensitive toward mm. and aware I always want to be aware that I'm doing the best thing I can be doing for my audience. I don't, as I used to say, don't go out there and shuck and jive them. Mm. And I don't like going out there and sounding like uh, we're jamming. I think it's good for a band to jam every now and then, but it's also important to be really tight and have some great arrangements because mm. that's how they remember you. If you're mm. just jamming, anybody can jam. Mm. But you got to have rehearsals, and you have to have um, um, you have to have rehearsals on dynamics, on what songs you think um, are going to. I, I always said this: you, you need to have a couple of um, showstoppers songs that make people stand up and not want to sit down because you're, you're just doing them so well. Mm. And your bands, you're, you're never going to be better than the band. You know, if the band is not just right there for you, then you cannot work. Mm. You can't work. You got to have them stepping with you all the way. Mm. And I've run into that at times where you know, they weren't with me, and I, 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 I suffer because I'm, I think I'm an overly sensitive person because I think most entertainers are. And when the show doesn't go really well, I go home, and that plays over and over and over in my head. Oh, yeah. I want to get up out of bed and go back there and say, come on, guys, you're going to do that over again yeah. because it didn't go the way I wanted it to. I wanted something else to happen. And you're always trying to go higher. You know, you get, I get exhausted just trying to go higher than the last time I did the song. And sometimes it's more emotionally exhausting than it is vocally. Right. Mm. 
I was just saying the other day, um, uh, this is just a, an aside a, around this entire conversation, is music is just incredible. It's the most incredible thing. It really is. Like, it is. Like, what makes you feel more than music? And, you know, it's specifically entertainment, you know, like, to me, dancing is a close second. Like, when you see a really good dance, for right. me personally, like, when I see people dance... Uh, really really well and, and and bring a lot of emotion to it when they're good at their craft and they bring that emotion um, where um, where their performance I don't know how to phrase this but it transcends the performance right you know when they're just in the zone yeah. and it's really coming through to the audience dance can do that to me but nothing does it like music yeah because that old saying the universal language you know there probably wouldn't be any racism if all we did yeah. is play music. Right, yeah, 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 exactly. Because everybody understands it, and they accept it. Yeah, and they, and also, I just, it's just, it's so innate, it just makes you feel. Right. You know, it's really, it's really wild. But then you look, you look back at some of the entertainers that, that wanted to do that, and because of circumstances, they, they were kind of knocked off their stride. Yeah. And weren't able to quite like I, I did a um a biography on Nina Simone two weeks ago. Two two weeks ago. Oh cool. Yeah. At the um at Discover Center what, downtown. What does that mean you did a I did I did, what they, they asked me if I would uh, put put enough information together about Nina Simone. Oh, cool. To come and tell the story because I, I do a lot of storytelling mm. about my family and mm. my life and that sort of thing. Which is so how they, we met. Right, I'll that's get into how that we met. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And so when they asked if I would do um, the biography on Nina Simone, I took a lot of time. I, I spent hours and, and I kept finding more and more information about her. That, And I found myself... I was sitting there at my desk at, at 4 o'clock in the morning, like almost weeping, mm. because reading her story, somehow I kind of forgot where I was, mm. and I got drawn into her real-life experience, mm. and it wiped me out. Oh, wow. I don't know um, how she managed you know, during a time when, when black black performers were not treated well, to say know, the least. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and yet it, it it was so powerful for them to go out there and do what they did, knowing that nobody really respected them. Yeah. But it, it it just it was quite an experience that I had never read a biography that. Um, that when I finished, I was exhausted. Yeah. Like I lived did, it. Did yeah. you find that element to that whole story to be the most um, uh, gut-wrenching or most emotional or most poignant even? Even more so than, than the story that, um, as you know, Diana Ross did um, Billie Holiday's story. Mm -hmm. And I think they, they capitalized a lot on... The fact that Billie Holiday was, was a drug addict and she did all of these things. But with Nina Simone, there, there was a lot more 
of her that they told. Mm-hmm. And they didn't just dwell on the fact that she, later they found out that some of her, her actions and her antics on stage were because she had bipolar. Oh. But she also was very angry. She was angry um, from the onset. Yeah, um, sure. of her of her career because she didn't want to be a singer. She didn't. She wanted to be a classical pianist, and she ended up being thrown into this jazz uh, genre. And then she was told she had to sing. Neither Simone never wanted to sing. Wow. Wow. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Who told her she had to sing? Uh, her one of the club managers. You know, club managers back yeah. in that era were. Were real dictators. Right. I, I experienced a lot of that myself. They t- told you, you know, when to go on the stage, when to come off the stage, how they One wanted these, you to if, look on the stage, yeah. what songs they wanted you to sing. It, it, it was just. And I, what are they holding over your head? Like, if you want to perform, you, you, if you want to perform here, yeah. then this is what you've got to do. Right. So, um, yeah, a lot of it was demoralizing, demeaning, and I don't know, I came up in a different era than Nina Simone and Billie Holiday, but I don't know. I thought somebody probably would have strangled me because I'm so, yeah. <laughs> so, so vocal and so verbal to begin with. I don't know if I would have <laughs> been able to say, what, what are, you, are you talking to me? You know, yeah, but, right. I don't think you are. Let's just get this squared away now. <laughs> oh my God! Well, um, let's let's go back. Hi. Who is Sharon Jones? Um, let me actually let me. Uh, so Sharon and I, you and I met at Three uh, S Art Space. Or did we? No, we didn't meet there. We didn't meet there. I saw your story. My friend Linda was doing a story that same night on stage. Um, And so I was there for that performance, and you spoke. I think um, you might have gone last, Um, and it was awesome. Thank you. Obviously. And then, um, but we didn't meet that night. And then um, Leah and I went to the West End Theater and to just go to another storytelling event. And, uh, and you were at that one again. And we were sitting in the audience, and I sort of leaned over to Leah, and I was like, I think Sharon would be an awesome podcast guest. Wow. And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, I told you, you know, yeah, you should ask her and everything. So we, that's why, you know, so we approached you then. So that's how we met. So Sharon has this, um, um, I, wa- I was thinking of saying, asking if you wanted to sort of tell the story, but I think that. Um, we're just going to hear your whole story as opposed to the story. That particular story. Right, in quotes. Right, so, right. Um, but it was, it was a really, you know, it was a, it, at, particularly at West End Theater, I don't know if you, you actually being in tune with your audience, you probably did notice, but um, your sort of punchline, if you will, people literally gasped. No, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it was like you were, you're, which speaks obviously to performance, because you led people down this path and then you dropped this bomb on them and, uh, and they gasped, you know, and, uh, which I thought was pretty, was pretty cool. Um, and it's a very emotional, it's an emotional story. I don't know if you've sort of told it enough. No, 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 you're probably still in touch with that. 
as, I'm, as a performer. I'm still in touch with it. But, you know, uh, Chris, I never know. I can never feel to that degree how much how much of an effect I had on an audience. Like, yeah. I somewhat know. I think when you're right in front of the audience, you're, um, you either have to make believe they're not there mm -hmm. so you can really get into what it is you need to get into or focus on them and you. And I think if you're doing both, you're going to lose part of it. Mm, yeah. So you have to kind of go away and let that story take you right out of that room. Mm. And that's why I don't ever really know what my, what my effect is. It's an art for sure. Oh, it's an you. absolute art. But, uh, but no, you, you got it. And like I said, people gasped. And, and um, um, I'm sitting here debating whether I should give, whether I should say the punchline or we should just hear about your, your story in general. But... Uh, well, you can say the punch. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the the gist is when you are, I mean, you know, I, I'm i picturing this, like, really cute, uh, uh, 17, 18, right? 17, or you, you graduated 18? Because it was yes. your senior year. It was, it was my senior yeah, year. Yeah, so senior yes. year in high school, mm -hmm. and what year was it? I'm not exactly sure. You didn't. I don't think you specifically said exactly no, what I didn't, year. No, I didn't exactly say what year, and I'm yeah. still not going to say what year. Because <laughs> I would give something away. Because <laughs> so that was um, real slick, Chris. Yeah, right. Like nice try. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's. But it was in the '60s. Yeah, you know, the so, early, the early yeah. '60s. And so, but but the punchline gives it away anyway. So so Sharon is on stage going out for her senior year performance, which you had done at least three other years. Three other years. Yeah. Freshman, junior. Right. And, and, uh, and sort of the, the, uh, the big show ending performance, super talented singer, um, uh, obviously being showcased, and then you come out on stage your final year, and it's, it's tricky. It's, I think it must have been a combination of just simply being older and more mature and more aware and more sure of yourself and comfortable in your, like growing comfortable in your own skin. Odd, yeah, odd, that, coincidentally, um, to the, you know, so you come out and you turn around and you see this back up band support, support you know, supporting you. Right? right. And they're all painted black face. Right. That's right. And you have just, you are you walked up to that line in the sand and you said you know what this is this just doesn't feel this right is anymore. not right right this is not right and that was a big bomb it, it in was. your story in your in in your story and then in your story that you were telling oh, us you know what i mean you. i mean that's a huge um and you, so, yeah. you know and 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 pacing that right um, because like my father used to say your timing is everything and you can tell that story and drop that bomb if you will in the wrong spot and mm. no one would have gotten it mm. but, and I wasn't thinking that it was in the right spot either I was oh, just yeah, telling yeah. it yeah but you know and, and I think to, to just to talk about your performance I think that was sort of that was kind of what was effective about it because you're just sort of telling this story and it was like 
you know, and then here I am and I'm going up again and there's this sort of normalcy to everything and I'm supposed to feel normal about this and right. I'm just, and, and all these people that I'm supposed to trust and right. respect and that I've grown up with are just like, they're, they love me and I, you know, and yeah. I believe that. I believe they did love you. They, it was a very did. different time and, and, they res and they did respect you. And then, but it was just, it was the, uh, it's, it's a really, it's uh, obviously it's an enormous conversation. You know, it's like Absolutely. this, this, this bomb ha got dropped. This, this line in the sand got drawn. You said you just, I don't know, like it hit you, I think. It, it, it did hit me. And, yeah. um, I, you know, I thought back on, you know, my mother and father were, were in the audience and my, some of my older siblings were there. And my younger sister, what's really tragic about that, that happened, but she was in that backdrop with those kids mm. that had their faces blacked out. And I never even really thought about that till she and I were sitting one night having a glass of wine. And she said, you know, because we call each other sister girl. We picked that up when we were living in California. She said, you know, sister girl. She said, I was in that choir in the back. I said, you got to be, you were back there? You know, she said, yeah, I was in that choir. Mm. She said, and when they all got up and ran to, to wash the black off their faces, all of the makeup. She said, I just sat there. Yeah, I, it's funny. I was just getting that image, like this one girl sitting there <laughs> by herself waiting. Huh, this is, yep, this is really right. weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, you know, thank God. There's a, it's, you can always look back at, at the worst story and find something to laugh about yeah well absurd yeah because yeah. it was absurd right. on so many levels yeah. i mean it's especially you know i but mean you know i had that 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 fantastic music teacher yeah and um you that know, is a big deal that, that was, was a big, big deal. deal he and really supported he, you he really supported me yeah. and the first time i told the story um they interviewed him before I told the story, mm -hmm. they they did a call in, Mr. Elwell. Oh, uh, they put him through the speaker system, and he talked about me and how shy I was. And of mm -hmm. course, everybody's looking this just to say, talking about her. <laughs> <laughs> he said I was so shy. He said it was ridiculous just to pull me out there to begin with to get yeah, me yeah. to sing on the. So that tells a whole lot too because mm -hmm. I was so intimidated by. It. Everything, the first show in my freshman year. Yeah. I mean, I, I said this, I can't even walk out there. Yeah. And then by the time the second show and the third one and then the fourth one, like you said, I had started to mature, and I had a different sense. I was looking through a different lens. Yeah. And seeing things differently, and I said, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to. Um, go out there and represent me and yeah. my family this way yeah. tonight. Now they can either close the curtain and not 
act that just went out there will be the last act. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or they can take care of this business, yeah. and I'll go out there and be the last act, but right. I'm going to look differently now than I did in the years previous. And yeah, it was it was quite a quite a donation to the yeah. emotional donation to that school. Yeah, very well put. Yeah. You're right. To yeah. to and to everyone there, to every single yeah, person that was right. in the audience and everything. But can you also speak to um, what a monumental uh, turning point that not necessarily turning point might not be the right word, but um, like forming point for you. I mean, to be a shy young girl and be in a minority, like a really kind of extreme minority situation being like, I mean, how many black students right. were in Portsmouth High School in 1960, blah, blah. Yeah, there's probably 12, maybe you know? 12 at And most. so you're this shy girl and you just put your foot down. Right. And then you got respected and it got, you know, righted. Ish. It did. You know what I mean? It did at that moment get righted in a, in a big way. And so, like, do you think that that was a, a pretty significant I think it forming was for extremely you? significant. I yeah. think that's, that at that point, I made a decision that I was going to be a performer. I was mm. going to, this is how I was going to, to, to give my opinions through music. This is how I was going to make people happy. This is how I was going to make people cry. This is, I was going to go out there and, and do this for functions and for celebrations, for weddings, for funerals, for whatever the occasion. Mm. I, I'm called for every type of situation that you can think of to mm. come and mm. sing for, for people. And I think that's where I, where I wanted to go with it. I do regret that um, that I didn't do it somewhere else sometimes. I I think that I would I, I, I had wished many times that I had left the area and really gone and given it a, an old college try as they say in, in bigger cities and which I did but I, sh I, I think I should have stayed out there a little longer. Oh yeah. One of my problems out there. I went to Los Angeles and when I went to New York and Chicago and you know Baltimore and traveled quite extensively back there. This is going to sound odd. There were times when people wouldn't hire me because they couldn't get a handle on whether to put me in a black club or a white club. Oh. They said you don't really sound black enough for this, uh -huh. for this and you don't sound white enough for here but you you kind of sound more white than you do black yeah. you're born in New Hampshire for heaven's sake you're a black girl and you said and I've never heard of such a thing yeah this is one of my agents out there and so they ended up sending me places like um you know Hermosa Beach and Places that had a lot of society engagements mm -hmm. where I would sing a lot of times with just piano player and myself or mm -hmm. uh, that type of a trio ensemble, but never anything where I was digging in like I wanted to dig in, mm -hmm. like Aretha Franklin was digging yeah, yeah, yeah. in, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. But there were singers out there that were just 
they would walk into a room and wipe me right out. You know, it's like, where, where did that come from? Yeah. yeah, I go sit in my little corner and try to <laughs> try to figure out how to do that. Yeah, and I think that's why I I started singing more jazz because I knew I just didn't. I just couldn't put that over as well as I wanted to. Right. What was the genre um, that you were singing before jazz? Well, I started singing jazz. That, oh, okay. That's what I started singing. Was the high school song? High school was a jazz. Oh, it was? Yeah, yeah it was. And then, but I, because I grew up in an era where all of this R&B and, you know, Rita Franklin, you name it, um, it, it was an era. The 60s and 70s and 80s turned into, a, they turned away from jazz. Mm. You know, you had... You had the Temptations, the Four Tops, you had the Supremes, you, you had all these groups and mm. these wonderful R&B singers mm. that were doing With everything. amazing right? voices. Amazing. That was an amazing era. Amazing era. And the other thing I loved about it is everybody looked great. Mm. Everybody had their pants pulled up and their clothes on, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They, they were, they, they were, they were sophisticated looking, and yet they could get down and do that oh, music. Yeah. They'd walk out there. The choreography was amazing. They, they had this choreography, and they actually hired choreographers to teach them how to do that. You know, the Temptations, the Four Tops, the Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. You had the Isley Brothers, and you had um some of the white singers are out there doing the same thing. Mm. I'm trying to think of that that duo, that um, Righteous Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that was a fabulous duo. Mm. And nobody knew they were white until they saw them. <laughs> Figured they were in that same group. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm glad that I was part of that era where people were singing and performing and looking great mm. out there. You know, they, it was an era that was totally different. We'll, we'll, never, we'll never have that again. Mm, we'll never have that again. But that music will never die either. Oh, yeah. No They're way. They're still playing it. Oh, my God, yeah. Because it's incredible. It is. Have you seen that movie, a uh, little aside here? Um, I, I, I always forget the number, but it's like 20 feet from stardom. I, I about all the background singers yeah. that write. You know, oh, I was my. I was a background singer in Los Angeles for a long time. Do you, do you ever sing with any of those women I, in the... I, I don't know because I, I didn't see the movie, actually. You haven't seen the movie? I haven't seen oh, the movie, Oh, you have no. to. Oh, yeah. my God. You'll love it. You will love it. You'll yeah. cry the whole time. Like, it, it's incredible. It's so good. And I, do you I, know... I heard it was. Yeah, it's really... It's unbelievable. It's your story. Like, you'll you'll just be like, oh, you'll, you'll be... Yeah. Yeah, it'll kill you. Um, have you heard of a woman named uh, Lisa Fisher? I have not. She's she's one of the featured singers in that. Oh, you should... You, I'll, I'll remind you about her. You've got to check her out. She's unbelievable. Really? She is the most... Like, her talent, like, it's just unfair. Like, she's... she's um. I believe she's still touring with the Rolling Stones as a backup singer for them. She's she's not the original. Um, uh, what's that song? 
I can't remember the name of the song now, but it's that really famous Rolling Stones song where the backup singer just takes this huge lead. Um, I think the, the lyric is like rape and murder. Um, but she, she's not the original, but now she sings it, and her, her vocals are incredible. And now she's, a, she's doing a lot of touring, and you would love her current music now. That's why I'm bringing it up particularly, because her, her current music is very jazzy. And uh, her vocals are, she, she plays with her vocals like you've never seen anyone do before. Like she's on stage with two microphones. One of them she's holding and one of them's on a stand. And the one on the stand has like a lot of echo and a lot of kind of um, effects attached to it. And so she's singing into this microphone over here, really aggressive. And then she comes into the mic and just does this, you know, like, and it, it just does these it's the way she plays with her voice. It's really mad. Like I took my daughter to go see her at the Wilbur theater in Boston. And, um, Bella said she didn't, Bella's like, I didn't have legs for the first 45 minutes. Wow. Like she was just, it was like, she couldn't feel her body making contact with earth because this woman on stage was just, it was incredible. You really got to see her. I'll have to look into yeah, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll remind you. I mean, she's a featured singer in that movie. You got to check it out. Yeah, I you know, will. Because yeah, I've heard so much about the movie. I'm surprised I haven't. Yeah, it's worth it. I mean, when I saw it, I, wa- I immediately watched it two more times in a row. Really incredible. Really? Yeah, incredible. I know uh, the musicians that work with me, all of them have seen it. Oh, it's every. it's the biggest names like all those women in the movies and all those backup singers that were, you know, 20 feet from stardom, they were ridiculously talented. The talent but, but was... they were just backup singers. But they were just backup singers, but they were playing with all the biggest, I mean, everybody. You can name anyone, they play with them. You know, the biggest names in the business. And they sang wow. for them. Crazy. Yeah. I'll have to get it. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so... Rewind. Well, I wanted to to just mention uh, um, back at the, the story with mm. at the high schools that uh, Mr. Bill back then I, he was Mr. Elwell. Yeah. When he did um, walk up to me all those years later and say, well, "You're going to be around for a minute," and I said, "Yes." He said, "Well, I've got something for you," and he came back a half an hour later with this red cassette. And he said, play this when you get home. Mm. So I got home. I couldn't wait to get out of the package and open it up. And it was me oh, singing wow. that song on that stage that night. And from thing, your senior year performance? From my senior oh, my year God. performance. And when I played it, I couldn't believe it was me. Yeah. You had to be kidding. And the applause, the, I, I said to myself, this applause is why you still do this. This is what calls you back each yeah. time. The applause never ended. It seemed like it, when they cut the mm. tape off, it was, yeah, it still, was still gone. <laughs> they ran out of tape. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so and I, I, I could actually go back and see myself standing there. Oh, my God. That. It just was amazing. Yeah. Especially, especially after the stance, right. the move. That's right. I mean, just incredible. That's such an amazing yeah. story. It really is an amazing story. Gee, you know, I, it, and I and I thought it was a great story, but I didn't, I didn't think it was as great. I mean, I had some other stories. You know, yeah, yeah. I should, were, yeah. I should have told the other. But then when I got the response from that one, I said, "Yeah, you did the right thing. You told, you told the right story." Yeah. Because some of the other stories are more about 
other people in my I was going to say, like, sometimes yeah. some stories might... The, the, the beauty of that story... Rewind, I'm going to start again. Sometimes stories just involve crazy things or, you know, like who I knew and, cra- you know, like these events and these things, these things. But this one was, like I said before, like this really life-changing, pivotal, right. like really pivotal moment in your life yeah. that, you know, you could have, if you didn't do that, who knows? Right. That's, you're right. You know, if you never right. stood up like that and got respected like that, you right. never, you just never know. You, that, that must have just been like the most amazing uh, confidence to really almost to put it simply like a really confidence boosting it, it was you know like oh I you know what I mean? yeah. like oh I can do anything right and I and, and I think my personality uh, changed after that I think uh, so what did you what did you do right after that um, I, I think I ended up going to Chicago. My sister lived in Chicago. And I, after I graduated, I went out there to stay with her for a while. So at 18? Yeah, so yeah. right after I got out of high school. I didn't Did you st- go into college? No, no. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't start studying music until I got to, um, to uh, Los Angeles many years later. And I only started studying with a private coach because I lost my voice. Oh. And um, I, I knew I was having problems because during that, those years that we were going up to the Catskill Mountains, I had uh, a gentleman stop me in the corridor one morning on my way to breakfast and he said, um, are you Miss Jones? And I said, yes. And he's, I, I was probably 25. And he said, um, I talked to you for a moment. Yes, I'm seeing a report. He said, he said, I'm here with Edie Gourmet, mm-hmm. and I'm her vocal coach, and I'm going to be here for a week. Mm-hmm. And if you continue to sing the way you're singing, you're going to be short-lived with mm-hmm. your career. Interesting. So he, he had says, heard you, and he heard me that night. Oh. He says, so if you want to meet me in the orchestra room at eight. 30 every morning while I'm here wow. I'll show you how to sing wow and I got that tape wow yeah that's pretty cool that, that is yeah another life changing yeah it was life changing <laughs> I'm saying you, what you mean I can't sing and, yeah, and right? it was devastating because I felt like I had to start all over again and learn how to breathe and learn how mm-hmm. to enunciate and learn how to Praise and I said I can't think about all of this and mm. sing at the same time. Mm. Yeah, he, and perform yeah, at the same time right, and emote right. at the same time. And he said, you know, you you have a range you don't even know you have. Mm. He said because you don't know how to get there. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I love that he saw that. Right, I and do heard too. that, and I love yeah. that he. And then I love that he acted on it. Yeah, bold, really bold. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and then Natalie Cole was there that same summer. And the maid that used to come to my room, she just loved the band, you know. Miss Jones, you know. She I say, Oh, good morning. How are you this morning? She said, oh, I'm doing good. She said, You know, Miss Natalie Cole is gonna be here next week. Huh. I said, really? I said, oh, boy, am I going to get a chance to see her? She said, you'll get a chance to see her. She said, but I want her to meet you. 
And I'm saying, yeah, right. <laughs> I'll show her a few things. <laughs> yeah, right. She what said, I just learned. No, Miss Jones, I, I, I want her to get to hear you. Mm. So she said that uh, she's going to give Natalie Cole a note and leave, leave Natalie Cole this note. But of course, I never, never heard from Natalie Cole, but that was another interesting little yeah. part of my life, this maid that was there, um, thought enough of me. Mm-hmm. And she wanted me to meet this colossal star that was yeah. in the house, whom I never got a chance to meet. You didn't uh, get to? I didn't get a chance to meet her, no. Yeah, no. Too bad. I got a chance to hear her and see her, but I didn't get a chance oh, to yeah. meet her. But she turned out to be quite quite a person later on in her life. You know, I think she was going through some things at a very young age. She was very young. She younger yeah. than me. And um, I think she... Is she still alive? No. Uh-huh. She passed away uh, last year. Oh, wow. What an amazing, another amazing talent. Yeah, yeah. Her father, she herself. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, I... I I traveled a, a quite a bit and saw a lot of things. And um, I think, again, the fact that I'm, I was born and raised in, a, in an area and raised by a very overly protected family because of where I was raised, I didn't, I didn't go out there far enough and stay mm. out there. Mm. You know, it's like a child runs out into the water and you keep looking back to make sure that your mother's still there. Yeah. I think basically that's what hap- happened yeah. to me with my, with my career. Mm. But I still have fun with it. And, oh, yeah, you're still doing it. And I'm still doing it. Yeah. I'm still grateful. Yeah. Um, why do you think um, you're, you, you, mentioned, you say that uh, your, your father particularly was overprotective? And, right. you, and you said that it was because of where you were raised. Right. Um, also, just side note, how many siblings? Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, ten girls. Ugh. So, yeah. of course, he's overprotected. Right, right. Ten girls, that's just who he is. Yeah. But, um, but was that the, was because, you know, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, super white, still is. Right. World, just know that. But, um... It, was that the, was that the, uh, I don't know how to phrase this. Was that the vibe? Was that the way? Um, that, that was the vibe, and that was, um, it was difficult in those years being born and raised in Portsmouth. Um, one of the, one of the things I find that is almost um, shameful is that. Most of the kids, if you will, that I grew up with, never, never um, faced the reality that Portsmouth was a very racist city to grow yeah. up in. Yeah. And I don't know if they're in denial because some of them still like they'll say, Sharon, but we didn't have any problems. And we were, yes, we did. Like, we had all kinds of, where were you? 
You, don't you remember when this happened and when that happened? Don't you remember that I couldn't go to the Wentworth by the sea? Don't you remember the names that people called me? When, yeah. You don't remember any of that? Yeah. Were you were you protecting me or were you protecting you? What, right. what was going on there? Yeah, the, the two words that come to mind are denial and disconnect. Right, right. Right. So, but we love you. I said, I know you love me, and yeah. I and I love you too. She said, and we don't see color, but I want you to see color. Yeah. That's that's part of the problem. You right. got to see the color. Because if I'm you not, see if you see the color, you can be part of the conversation. That's right. 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 Yeah. I said, don't act like it's a um, that you're doing me some kind of a great service, not to recognize that I'm a different color than you are that's a disservice to you mm. not to recognize and that. you right yeah and the, and uh the cause if you will yes yeah. and but still we stuck at the same cause all these years later yeah and you know people don't know that they have a racist bone in their body they i don't really think like they'll say Donald Trump is a lot of things, but he's not a racist. Yes, he is. Oh. You know, he is. And a lot of people are. Just by how they've lived all their lives. They don't know what? how they've lived their lives. And what they've, what they've been surrounded with. And the... Um, all of the perks that they've had all of their lives that they've never had to think about. Never had to think about when I walk into that room tomorrow night and I'm the only black person, what yeah. you feel when the people all turn around and look at you. I yeah. said, you never felt that. Oh, God. And that just must have been like, like when you were, um, especially when you were growing up, that must have just been so heavy. That's so heavy on a little kid. It is, and that's why my, my father said, I'm going to tell you something, little girl. What's that? <laughs> he said, I'm going to tell you something, little girl. Yeah. You've got your family. Your sisters and brothers are your friends. You don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. This is your family, uh, and these are your friends. There you go. That's the protective. Right. 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 Okay, that, that, that's yeah. much clearer. Yeah, and... Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there were a lot of kids, and I, I really thought that you know, my brothers and my sisters were yeah. my best friends, and they were. That's why, that's why he had 13 kids. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm going to have some friends for you. Yeah, exactly. I'm having fr friends and family all, in, all under one roof. Right, right. Oh, that's hilarious and horrible yeah. and sad yeah. at the same time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Oh, that's, that's interesting. That's, that became suddenly really clear to me. Yeah, they, that whole that whole protective right um, that makes a lot of sense right. and because really, imagine how well <laughs> you don't have to imagine but imagine how frustrating as a parent to try to bring your kid into this world and you know like you know for me it's all about getting my kid out in the world right you know get out in the world experience the world and trust people and you know and be kind to people right and when you were growing up and who you were and who your family was in a town that you were in. Right. Yeah, to, to really just be like under the wing, stay here. But one of the first things I, I remember them doing that I thought was uh, very, very significant and very, this very is your powerful. Parents? My parents. Yep. They got us into 
to church right away, um, St. John's Episcopal Church. And there was also the People's Baptist Church where all, most of the black people in the town went to, mm -hmm. uh, the Black Baptist Church. But for some reason, they wanted us to go to this Episcopalian church. And I go there even today. Mm. And I love it. I don't, I think some people are under the premise that if you're black, you automatically know how to sing, you automatically know how to dance, and you automatically go to a Baptist church. Right, right. <laughs> and sing and dance. And I had brothers that couldn't dance, sisters that couldn't sing, yeah. you know. And so you have to just be who you are and stay where you're comfortable. Yeah. Well, is that, does that speak to why you didn't in your career get out there as much? Like, you, you know, you kind of, you're talking a little bit about having some regret while you seem like a very content, yeah. comfortable in your own skin, happy person. Yeah, you talk a little bit about you know uh, a little bit about regret. So is that you? Well, uh, you are you've you've remained where you're happy and comfortable. I I remain as far as my church goes. I'm I'm very comfortable there. But I I have yeah. to tell you, I uh, a lot of my family broke off from the Episcopalian church and went to the Baptist church. Oh yeah, yeah. And I many times went with them and enjoy it. And they have a a pastor at the church in uh, Portsmouth at New Hope Baptist Church, who was, he and his wife are just phenomenal people. Mm -hmm. I love them dearly. But you know, a ch church is a very, I think, I, I think church has to be where your, um, where your heart can, can, can um, open, be comfortable. Yeah. When I, uh, everybody needs something different from church and different churches. I mean, I can, I can remember even going to the, I've experienced just about every church. I went to the Greek church, I went to the Catholic church, you know, I've experienced them all. And I ended up back there. So I can't say that I didn't go out yeah, yeah. and try to figure it out. And I think that's what we all, we all basically do. Yeah. I don't think anyone belongs in any particular church because of who you are. Yeah. I think you 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 go to the church that makes you feel like you belong there. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna find you. You're gonna find right. it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, I think faith is faith is very important, but faith a lot of times isn't. A lot of people doesn't mean that you. And it, it doesn't mean it to me either. That doesn't. Faith doesn't mean that you go to church every Sunday. But I just happen to be one of those people that loves going to church on a Sunday morning. You go every Sunday? I do. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I probably miss maybe two or three a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And I sang in that uh, choir for about 10 years, and yeah. that music is tough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, part of the reason I joined that choir was I wanted the challenge of <laughs> of sight reading and, and, oh, right. and, and it's, it's very 
it's, it's classical music, basically. Yeah. It's, it's difficult, you know. You got all these different parts and the, the alto and the first alto and the second alto and the bass. You got mm. all these different voices singing at the same time. Yeah, there's I, another place where there's a lot of talent laying that, around. That's right. Yeah. And that time. that choir in that church is just it take your breath away. The one in Portsmouth? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I think you have the oldest um, organ, pipe organ, too. Sounds cool. So it's, um, I think I've been through about maybe seven ministers there from the time I started going. Mm. So it's, uh, it's an interesting body of people. Mm-hmm. But then I like, I like, like I said, I like, I like experiencing the different churches. In the summertime, I go to different churches, visit. And, uh-huh. Yeah. That's cool. I love the gospel music, even though I, I really can't sing gospel music. I love hearing people that can sing it. But some people think I can just because I'm black. They think, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? You got it. No, I don't. Yeah. No, I'm more I, of a jazz. I, right. Yeah. I don't know how to sing gospel. Um, I wanted, um, you, so you left Chicago. How long were you in Chicago? Oh, not long. I don't think uh, my, I think my sister couldn't wait to get rid of me. I would, <laughs> <laughs> got there and all of a sudden I didn't want to stay there and I, I wanted to go back home. So I came back home huh. and where did I end up? Um, I'm trying to figure out, remember how I ended up in Los Angeles. I went on the road with a jazz band, a jazz organist named Johnny Hammond Smith. Johnny Hammond, they they gave him that name because he played Hammond organ, and he was supposed to have been one of the most phenomenal jazz organists. There was he and maybe three or four other jazz organists that were the top of the line. And I Mm. went on the road with him. That was my first... um, I'm going out on the road. Your first tour? My first tour, yeah. Nice. Where did you go? Uh, oh, man. We just kept going. We, had to, we started out in New York. We went to Baltimore. We went, oh, wow. we went to Virginia. We, we just kept going. It, um, and then when we I went to Canada, and when he um, decided to come off the road for a while, he lived in... Los Angeles. Mm. So I went to Los Angeles and my sister was already there. And that's where I ended up staying for seven years. How did you book these gigs as you were driving around? He, he, he did all the books. So the, the, everything yeah. was booked ahead, sort of yeah. on and, the road and you headed and there. And everybody then had, a, had an agent. Mm. And this is one thing I was saying about these new singers that are coming up today. Everybody has to do everything themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get out there and book it. You know, I, I have to tell you, in, in the world that we live in today, musically, I spend all of this time on the phone, booking my band, booking mm. myself and my band, and waiting for them to call back and give me dates. And then sometimes you actually have to go to the place. So you get dressed up, of course, because you always have to look good when but that's, I was raised that way. My mm-hmm. mother and father said, don't go out and try to uh, 
impress anybody if you're not going to be impressive. Yeah, yeah. You know, right, you right, got to right. look the part and don't go out there. So, yeah, I have to get dressed. I have to go to these clubs. I have to convince them that the band should be in their room. And it, you, you do all of this business, and then you, then you have to do the performance mm. on top of that. And then it's bringing the equipment in and taking the equipment out and a lot of hats. A lot. Yeah. Whereas when I started performing, I didn't do anything but just show up. You know, I would take a nap while the band was putting yeah. <laughs> putting the equipment. <laughs> now I gotta be on on the page all of the time. Yeah. I got to make sure the musicians show up on time. I got to make sure they. Do you find that uh, does that it does that affect your performance? Sometimes it affects my performance the first set, and until I know that we're all um, cohesive, that yeah. everything is going to work well. You never know until that first couple of songs. Sometimes yeah. it just doesn't work. And at the the whole night is a struggle. Mm. Then if you get a piece of equipment that starts acting up, you want to die. Yeah. You know, and there's nobody there. There's no agent or technician to come in and say, I've got this. Right, right. I'm the one that has it all yeah. the time. <laughs> is this the Sharon Jones band? Yes. Basically? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that's the other thing. They get me mixed up with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. That's another thing I have to deal with now, and I hate it. What is that? Sharon Jones is a. There's another Sharon Jones out there, huh. and she's got her. The name of that band is Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, and they're very good. Yeah. I like her a lot. I like the band. Have you met her? It, no, but <laughs> and she's world renowned, and she looks. And sounds nothing like me. And I get this so much, I want to bring a pan of hot water. <laughs> and the next person that says, I just saw you in New York last night. That's why we're here. And I brought all my friends to see you. Yeah. And, and then I you say, come out and do a jazz set. New, yeah, yeah. I wasn't in New York last night. You know. Give me a break. If I was in New York last night, why would I be in New Hampshire tonight? Here. <laughs> yeah. At the Dolphin Striker. <laughs> you know, it's, they're so oblivious to everything. It's just amazing. That's funny. I just saw you last. They're looking right in my face. I look nothing like her. Isn't that? How old is she? She's probably... 10 years younger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Looks nothing like me. That's funny. But this is another thing people do, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Attention spans. Yeah. But it's a, it's a strange business, but also, um, you know, you get gratification out of, out of it. Yeah. You know, I go home at night and I feel great because I was able to to put that performance together the way I wanted it. Yeah. Do you do you write any of your own music? I did at one time. I yeah. don't. I don't anymore. Now, yeah. are you all all covers? Do you no. sing any of your original? No, I never sing any of my originals. Oh. No. Is it a different genre? I, it it 
I, I wrote in such a way that it could be a couple of different genres. I yep. just never thought of singing my own music hmm. for some reason. Huh. So we well, do a lot of, uh, with, with the um, four and five piece band, I do a lot of um, R&B music, heavy uh, R&B stuff. Yeah. And when I'm, depending on what room I'm in, in Boston I do jazz, Dolphin yeah. Striker, we're, we're like tearing, the, the walls are caving in by the time we leave there. The, yeah. the music is loud, but yeah. it's good. Yeah. And at the, uh, the press room, I usually go there and put on a concert, so that's even different, more so than Dolphin Striker or, or the Beehive. I love yeah. the Beehive. Yeah, the Beehive's a cool spot. Because I really sit cool on a spot. stool and I sing all of these wonderful jazz ballads. And nice. People think it's wonderful. Yeah. And who who backs you up on that? Just my piano player. Oh, okay. Just, just he and I are out there, the two of us. They have a house piano there, right? They do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a cool spot. It is. That's I a really spot. cool spot. My, one of my favorite rooms. Yeah. I think that place used to be a garage. Really? Yeah. There's something really funky about the architecture of that place. No, you're thinking of the beat. No. Right? The, oh, the beehive. No, the right? beehive in the south end. Right. Yeah. Uh, right on Tremont. Yeah, it's it's like um, there's something about the levels. Yeah, you're right. Of, and I feel like, and there's some poles in there. there I feel are. like, and I I, I, there, I feel like there's some curved ramps. Yeah, and they, and they play right those right? old movies upstairs. You know, yeah, yeah. you come in, you could yeah. see. Yeah. But it's a cool spot. It is. I love and it. And before I went, um, before I became vegan, um, it did have one of the best hamburgers I've ever had. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. They do. They're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. The food, I re- I, the food's I've eaten really there a good. couple of times. Yeah. I, I, and I just say a couple because I don't eat before I perform. I yeah. don't know how any singers do that, but a lot of them do. Yeah. They eat, you know, French yeah. fries and hamburgers and they get up and sing. <laughs> get a lead belly and get up there and be all smooth. <laughs> I said, how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah, now the unfortunate that's the, the thing that bums me out about it is that the uh, now with the menu I can't I can't I can I, last time I went there was nothing. So like, how long have you been doing this? Uh, little, like three years. Because of why? Um, I I chose um, for I my listeners have heard this, but I will I will tell you um, I chose I began for health reasons looking into different foods, and um, it led me down a path to discover sort of a plant based lifestyle, and I ultimately chose for um, more environmental and animal rights, animal sort of being kind to other beings. Okay. Um, and less so health. I totally believe and buy into the health. I believe that I am healthier than I was because of how I eat. Um, and I do completely believe it is the best diet out there. And you feel better, right? I feel way better. I definitely feel way better in every way. I feel physically better. I feel emotionally better. Wow. I feel, yeah, I feel more alert. I feel I, I perform better. But, um, but the turning point for me was really the way um, it was, it was a, uh, I describe it by saying, I remember being a, a person sitting in an SUV 
in bumper-to-bumper traffic by myself complaining about how many cars there were, right? And so I wanted to get off that train, you know, and I wanted to just get off. I, I just was like, I got, I very quickly became really turned off by human sort of overconsumption lifestyle, you know, and, and that bled into watching the way the meat and dairy industry and the way people in general just like, you know, ate, ate animals and used animals. And I felt, I suddenly felt very sort of selfish, you know, like I don't, I don't, I don't care. Like, like that mindset to me is I don't care how it affects anything else. I want my bacon and I want my steak and I want my hamburger. And so I, you know what I mean? So that stuff really started turning me off. And, oh, yeah. and I decided that I, 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 it's, n- it's more important for me to not feel that way than it is to, to like take advantage of other beings and the mm-hmm. planet. So, I, you know, obviously I try to live, I try to live with a small footprint in general. Like I don't overconsume things. I don't yeah. buy a lot of stuff. I don't. Um, wow. Yeah. To be commended, I, I like that in people. I do. Yeah. At one time, I I thought about. I cut way back on it. I really don't eat a lot of meat to begin with. Yeah. That's why, like when I came in here, I ordered the yeah. mac and cheese. There was some bacon in it, but but the other thing I was doing, was walking long distances mm. every day, mm. you know, good, going good to choice. the gym. Yeah. And I just stopped, and I keep saying to myself, mm. why? What kind of funk are you in that you that you just can't make yourself? So I'm 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 gonna go back out there. I mean, I used to walk in the in the middle of the winter, just mm. bundle up and. Mm-hmm. Some of my I, favorite walks. Yeah, are in the winter. Yeah, yeah. mine too. And I I think um, you, you, it has to affect you when you when you when you start losing a lot of family members. Yeah. I think it does, and yeah. you know. I think um, I was so used to having. I remember one one afternoon when like, the whole family was alive, thinking to myself, "Isn't this wonderful? I can pick up the phone right now and call at least twelve other people who are my friends." Mm and talk to them about anything I want to talk about. And they were family members. And I, and I, and I just remember that at a certain point when I actually felt that and how fortunate I felt mm. and how loved I felt and how protected I felt. Yeah. That, that whole, that large circle of, of family members. And you start losing them, and, and, and it has an effect yeah. on you, always. But they, you know, you have to, you have nieces and nephews and other family members, and, and I've become, I, I'm probably a real pain to them, because as soon as I don't hear from one of them, like, I <laughs> texted my poor niece, What's the matter with you? You yes. heard from you, and you, you know, you know, my mother and father pride themselves on on keeping this family together, and you're breaking the mold, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. You, yeah. and I said, and I'm not going to get on Facebook, so don't expect it. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> she 
got right back to me. I'm Sharon, I really did try to call you right after the election, but your 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 phone uh, messages were, were full. Yeah, you're because, like, because yeah. I whipped it against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but life is is a wonderful thing, though. Yeah, it really is, and, yeah, and yeah. all of the things that we do to make ourselves and other people happy. Yeah, and I, 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 um, it's funny. I, I, I am the same that you were just describing with your family. Like, stay in touch, and because it's, uh, I have, I'm going through something. Like my, my daughter at the moment is just she's she's 17, and she's just kind of pulling away into that. Right. It's not even, she's not, she, she isn't pulling away and she isn't, you know, fighting for any kind of, uh, independence, uh, independence right, right, you know, right. but, but it's just natural. It just is how ha- those things are happening, right. but she's not necessarily like doing it. You know what I right. mean? It's just a normal course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm finding I'm really like, you know, I, I did spend some time trying to like fight it. And just reach out and, you know, and try to say, this isn't cool. Like, you know, right. you can't do that. And then I take, you know, like a massive breath. And, and I think back to when I was literally exactly her age. I was doing the exact same stuff. Right. I was doing the exact same stuff. Yeah, you know, you I had, get, they got to learn how to live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They got to learn. They do just sort of naturally have to learn how to live and how to be themselves and, you know fend for themselves even in a social yeah, way she's even always going to be your daughter yeah. she's always going to be connected to you yeah but it's you know but then you but now in our wisdom we're like no but it's so important it's yeah. so important because you think about i think i've talked about this actually here before too but i was talking about again recently um when you talk to people um that are uh, like basically on their deathbeds, you know, they talk about things like regrets and things and right, the, the regrets right. are not staying close enough to people. Right, that's it's right. like, number, that's like number one. It is, you know, like just yeah. not staying close enough to people. And then when you, so then you, you know, you think now being in the moment and being in the moment for both she and I at my age and at her age right. and me being able to see both of them, I'm like, Oh, this is wasted. Yeah, this is wasted yeah. time. This is wasted time. Like, right. there's no, there's no yeah, need for right. this. You know, yeah. we don't have to go through this phase. But, like you know, like you said, it's just natural. Yeah. It's a natural, natural course. Yeah, natural yeah. course. So, yeah. so taking that one step at a time to get to where we are. Yeah. yeah. You and your path of life and yeah. my family. Yeah, because then we're always evolving too. Right. You know, that's we're right. evolving, and that's always gonna, you know, with you and. With you and your walking, and um, we were before we got on the mics, and you were talking about your, you know, your your lifestyle, your night owl, right, and you know your right. energy level, and yeah. you know going to bed at three and getting yeah, up and at it's eight. Not, and, it's not good. Yeah, but you're all. But but then there's really, um, there's there's if you look at things like um, longevity and happiness, um, that that sort of uh, formula. Right. Part of that formula is the X factor. You know, it isn't necessarily that person always eats really their perfect clean diet 
and that person always exercises every day. There's also that X factor to that person is really engaged in life, right? And really present in life, and really, um, uh, you know, content, happy, motivated, passionate. They have things they're living for, and they right, have things right. they're doing, and that's you. Right, you know what I mean? Like right. you, from what we were, I'm not speaking for you, or, um, but um, what you were saying before, like you're just, you're alive. Like right. you're going, yeah. and you want more, and you're always yeah. looking, and you're always searching. That's right. You know, so that's I a got, big... Um, I don't know if you heard of this young uh, man that puts on plays and, and concert, mostly into musicals, Patrick Doro mm. is his name. He um, Local? runs the Stark Theater over in Kittery. Oh, okay. And he asked me to um, participate in a uh, Christmas play for the mm-hmm. month of December. So I said, yeah, well, that's different. I think I'll try that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing that in December. Nice. Nice. And, yeah. And is that that's a musical? Well, it's or just, act, I just think acting. it's called Coming Coming Home for Christmas. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just singing. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, Christmas music in it, yeah. and he's got some actors and actors that are coming in out of New York to participate oh, in sweet. the play. Yeah, and so um, it's going to be a nice, uh, different, different path for me for yeah. for that month. Yeah. And that's like you've it. never acted on never stage really, or really did anything like that. Yeah, know? see, so, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the yeah. same way. I'm like, bring it on. Yeah, I want to make sure I'm at that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I love that stuff. You know, I've got those, I got those mysteries. I got Johnny Dollar, Sherlock Holmes, The Shadow, The Whistler. Yeah, I got. I used to go to the library looking for that. Yeah, yeah. Get upset because they didn't have it. I love how over the top it is. It is the shadow, like the the vocal acting is so like it's it's right on that edge of of like just over the top. Just pull it back just from falling over the edge. Right, right. And that's the uh, and he's that's the always style. in a room somewhere. And everybody's, when he starts talking, of course, the the villain is always trying to figure out where he came from, you know? <laughs> yeah. Where are you? And he goes, I'm right at your elbow. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is the shadow. Oh, no, the shadow. <laughs> yeah, I, want, I was listening to him. I want to be like, I wanted the actor to be like, who's the shadow? <laughs> <laughs> you know the shadow. No, nope, yeah. sorry, never heard of it. <laughs> the shadow knows. Yeah, that's yeah, really the, funny. That, that that you know that era back then. But like you said, they were using every piece of raw talent that they had. Mm. They didn't have the props, and they didn't mm. have the all of the effects. If you, what have you and they, they were going they were using what they had right at their fingertips and that's what to me is so amazing yeah. I love it love looking at that stuff you know the way that, with the um, actresses that would walk out with a cigarette holder you yeah know? yeah the <laughs> 10 inch everybody more. had a cigarette it, they'd sit in a room and you couldn't even see their faces <laughs> you know they'd be blowing smoke at each other's face and you know, no matter what the occasion, have a cocktail. Can I have a cigarette, please? Uh, he'd light hers, and he, then he'd light his, and they'd sit there and smoke together. You know, but just amazing. Yeah. Now cigarettes are banned off the oh, yeah, earth. Yeah. Back I know. Then. Well, which must be nice for you performing. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, I, I, I can remember those. I can remember being so hoarse. 
the next day after singing. From being in a smoke-filled... Yeah, yeah, I remember working in a, cl- in a, in a club in um, Newport, Rhode Island, where um, we had a lot of the attorneys in that hotel. It was called the Islander, the Islander Hotel in Newport. And the Klaus Van Bulo trial was going on mm. at the time. And all of his lawyers were there. And the smoke was unbelievable. The cigars, you know. Oh, yeah, everybody yeah. Couldn't even see the band. I'd take a knife to cut the smoke <laughs> away from the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a band up there. <laughs> Thought I heard something. Yeah. Even the sound is muffled. Right. <laughs> just, just, just peel a little bit of the smoke away. I just want to see the singer. <laughs> You should have had your own private little fan. Those were the days. Smoke-filled rooms, dark, smoky, and everything. Most rooms are like this. You know, if you ordered something to eat, you never knew what was in it. Right. Because the rooms are so dark. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There was nothing to order a cocktail and have have somebody's. Uh, lipstick on the rim of the glass. You see that a lot back oh, then. Oh, God. And you didn't even ask for another glass either. Just no, my, I used to take my own. But back then, I, I didn't even drink anything, though. Yeah. I don't think I started drinking until like mid-20s. Yeah. 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 I was all about business. I really wanted that band to because we were like the, um, I had two nieces and a sister that were my backup singers. That were what? My backup oh, singers. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we were, we were powerful because it was mm. that old-fashioned family harmony. Mm. And we were good, really good. And, and some guy from England came in to the club one night and said, how would you girls like to record? And we all got excited, and we got up and went to the recording studio. We went in about three or four times, and we did an old Smokey Robinson song called Going to a Go-Go. And we did one, two others. can't remember what they were. And the guy paid us a lot of money, and then he left and went back to England. Uh-huh. And like a year later, somebody called me and said, Sharon, you're in the billboard. You, you're, you're like number five. Your song is number five over in um, the UK. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we never got a penny oh. because we just we just took the money and he took our talent and left with it. Oh, weird. What year was that? Um, probably um, maybe 71, mm. 72. There was a, um, that is actually ringing a bell in that movie, 20 Feet from Stardom. There was like a lot of stuff like that that went on, just like taking your voice. Right, Taking right. the voice. Oh, and there was, there was taking, you, you're, and you're probably well aware of this stuff, but it was like taking the voice and taking, um, I'm repeating myself, taking the voice and putting it in someone else's mouth. Right. That's right. Right? So you'd get this pretty, probably pretty white girl. Right. To get on stage and lip sync the this black girl's voice. Amazing like talent yeah, black they woman's did it voice. A lot. Crazy. 
But what about what happened to that um, Nilly? Uh, what was the name of those two guys? Oh, Nilly Manelli, Van- Willie Vanilli, or uh, something. something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, and they, the uh, the record stuck while they were. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Right. That that had to uh, be that had to be one of the most embarrassing. <laughs> you know, I can't even imagine something like that happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, what were you supposed to do yeah. when you're out there singing, and the record sticks? Yeah, that's when they like get real creative with their dancing. You know that one that one of them committed suicide. And uh, he never got over it. Yeah, I'm sure. Could, yeah. That 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 became the joke of the century. Yeah. I mean, the people out there dancing and, you know, grooving, and all of a sudden, they look up and the guy's singing the same thing over Yeah, over. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. But, you know, that was the fault of the producers oh, and the yeah. agents back yeah, yeah. then. They Absolutely. were crazy. They just wanted that money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was it. not an art. It was no. a business. And that's when the when the music started getting really funky. Yeah. Yeah. People started doing things yeah. like that. Did you ever get to go and sing in Europe, overseas? Never did. Oh, Never. that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. I think I would have. I, I probably would have loved that. You couldn't get me to do a whole lot of things. I scared to death to fly. Uh, I wouldn't go on. I had all these opportunities. Still, but, even like you wouldn't. Well, I, I I fly now because I have to. But, yeah. But I try to get. They they offered me these cruise ship gigs. Oh, I yeah, turned yeah. every one of them down. Yeah. I'm not getting on boat that's going to take off. I, I know. I mean, what's the point in being here's here was my 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 poor reasoning. What's the <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's have your What's have. the point of being on a ship that looked like a city when you could just go to yeah, a city and right. be in the city? Right. Why would I want to be on a boat that looks like a city? What's the point? Yeah, they are enormous. They're a little too a little too all-inclusive. I will uh, yeah. agree with that, yeah. I mean, you're out there in the and middle then you, of the And ocean. you might get seasick. Right, seasick, <laughs> and, the, and the thing might go under, like yeah. the Titanic. What if the, <laughs> why do I want to do that? Yeah. At least in the car. You know, I got a, some kind of a chance. You just hey, just, just you know, send me the jaws of life. Yeah, yeah, you're Get funny. I, you and I think actually the the same way in a few things. I'm a similar sort of like. Yeah, yeah right. I don't like putting all my fate um, in one. Middle of the ocean for what? <laughs> <laughs> Come and see me at the striker. We're on yeah. land. I can leave and go home after. Yeah. But no, I didn't like to fly either, but I would. I would yeah. fly. Yeah. That would have been a cool, cool experience to go sing over there. Not too late, though. Yeah, I know. Have you yeah. been to Europe? Uh, I was in Ireland. Really? Yeah, that's my only uh, Europe. I've yeah. Like um, Ireland and Jamaica and then the United States, like yeah, a, lot, I, a lot of the states. Mm-hmm. But. I've gone to Jamaica. I didn't go there to sing. Just went for yeah. you know vacation. Yeah, that Make, was cool. Yeah, it's an interesting place. But I really would love to go to Italy. So do I. Yeah, that's one of my like yeah. uh, big time bucket lists. Right. Like Italy might be my number one. Mine too. Like, first, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, something about it. Gorgeous. I have a niece that travels all the time. She's in a medical field, and she—I don't—I think she teaches now, and she travels a lot. She says, "I'm chilling. Just she's everything's free. She just buy the, the the ticket, and the room and everything else is going to be free. Just come." Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Just my my luck uh, will be the biggest terrorist attack <laughs> that ever happened. Right. <laughs> On my way to the plane. Yeah. Times are not like the remember remember the days you just got on the plane. It just it was wonderful floating yeah. around up there. Okay, uh, you can un you can unfasten your seatbelt now, and you know you took the seatbelt off, you walked around, and it was now there's an air marshal watching right, you. Right, it's just you can't do anything anymore. Yeah. It's just we we've done a complete turnaround in this country. Sad. Yeah. Well, Sharon. Well, my next story is going to be about not that tonight, but the next time I yeah. tell the story, yeah, no. it's going <laughs> to. You can tell it tonight too. <laughs> it's going to be about a, a story about a doll, a doll I, that I had. That, oh yeah. That became a part of my life, my real life, because of the problem I was having trying to go to school, my uh, first year of school. Yes. And being, um, having the, the, the children in the school, you know, kind of turn their backs on me because I was the only black child in that And this school. is uh, like uh, first grade? First grade. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the... Um, so you had this doll that was your protector, your I, friend? But the doll, the interesting part about it is I didn't always have the doll. I kept leaving school and going back home. My mother would walk me there and then go back home and she'd turn around and I'd be there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so she'd walk me back over there. You know? And then finally, and she, and, um, she and the principal of the school got their heads together and the next day that I walked into the school, there was this doll sitting at my desk instead of me uh. and I walked in you know and, and, and sat down and, and there's a whole story after that oh uh, wow that's yeah. cool so and I named the doll Tootie 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 right I don't on. know why but the, the doll she had the wooden face and you know the cloth body like they did back then and the the principal's name was Jeffords, I think. J E F F O R D S, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And she bought me that doll to keep me in school. Wow. And it did. Wow. And I went to school, and Tootie went to school mm -hmm. every morning for about two years. Wow. That's interesting. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, here's a, and a question about the times. Was the doll black or was the doll white? The doll was as white as you are. Right, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Because she couldn't find a black doll back then. No, I don't think there yeah. were any, any black dolls yeah. back then. And if they were, you wouldn't have wanted to take one of them to school. Yeah. You know, they yeah, were yeah, horrible exactly. looking back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a whole... A whole nother story. Though. That sounds good, though. So yeah. how are you, um, are you, do you work with someone to, to craft your story? No. Really? 
No, I no. You know, when when I was asked to, to tell the story the first time, I said, "Now, how do I do this?" And and my sister Kitty said, "Just tell it like you tell the stories yeah. every day around here to your friends. You yeah. know, just tell it like that." But that group that put on the the one at three S art space, right? Oh, it's it, that was the same group. The same group. It was the same group yeah. as West End, and. and um, but they do, that's what they do, right? They kind of help people. They do. But, okay. So you're just not doing that. I, I didn't do it because um, I, I felt that my stories were so real. Mm. But why did I need to have someone help me tell it? Mm. I, I already lived this story. Mm. Yeah, I agree. You know, you can't help me tell this story. Yeah. You weren't there. Yeah. But um, I understand what they were saying. Sometimes... Like uh, you, you would go to these, they they when they were doing this at the radio station in Portsmouth, which they don't do there anymore because something happened at that right. station and they're not connected to it anymore. Right. I would go there and sit and listen to other people's stories, and then you were to get up and tell yours, and they would critique your story, mm-hmm. and that's how. And and I went because it was re. re- it, it was out of respect that I went. Mm-hmm. They asked me to come. You should come and just sit and listen. So I went. And some of the people that told stories were terrific. And I didn't, I didn't feel that uh, me critiquing their story, I didn't know anything about, yeah. you know, I think people should just tell. I went online and found this old storyteller. I think she's in her late 80s now, or even 90s. And I can't remember her name, but I, I, you can probably find it. And I picked up some hints from her. And what she was saying is, we all have these stories. Mm. You know, you just start, start telling. Our grandfathers and grandmothers told us these stories. Exactly. Yeah. Sort so, of the premise of this podcast is uh, talk to anybody. Everyone's right. got a story. Everyone's got you know? a story. But I will say that um, uh, you, your instincts were, were good and correct about your storytelling because my uh, critique, if you will, over the entire performance, not yours, but the whole show, was there was a, there was a really um, distinct difference between your story and, ev- and everyone else's. Because everyone else's, I was getting caught up in watching their performance. I was, I was, I was aware of the things that they had rehearsed. Wow. I was aware of their, what they were trying to do with their performance. Okay. Right? And when you got up, you just told your story. And I just was listening to you tell a story. Oh, interesting. And there was, there was a big difference in that. You know, there was a big, I got, I just, I stopped watching you perform and I just listened to your story and I got much more invested in your story um, versus like, oh, I can tell that per- I can tell that person thinks they missed the beat. Oh yeah, right, right. Yeah, interesting because I didn't, um, I tried not, they, they like you to go in and sit in the audience while the other people tell the story and mm. I don't like being in the audience mm. Listen, it, it gives me too much information mm. and it takes me away from what I'm supposed to do when I go out there and I don't want that in my head it's yeah. like going to dinner and eating something before you get there and then you can't get the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. You don't really enjoy the food because you've already eaten. Yeah. So I, I don't want to be in, and, and I I felt weird because that's where she wanted us to be. And I said, I don't want to sit in the audience and wait for my turn to go up there. Yeah. I don't want any of that. To you wouldn't do that with music either. No, you had a warm-up act. Right, you wouldn't go and right. watch the warm-up yeah, act. Yeah. Right, right. I yeah. didn't want to do that. And the other thing I was um, concerned about, I that you dragged the story out too long. You had a, a certain amount of minutes to tell that story, and I always went under. I mm. never, mine never even went close to. Right. And I'd rather get all of that in in a short period of time rather than not hit the, the mark and, you, and your time is almost up. Right. So I, I kind of like, just like the move it along. Yeah. Never stop talking and never stop thinking, but get that story out there because if you give them time to breathe or blink, mm. you're going to lose them. Right. So yeah. I, I think that's what you need to do. Yeah, that's cool. I like it. I'm, I'm thinking of doing it too. I'm you thinking should. Of, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised you've never done that. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to. I'm surprised I haven't too. Once I heard about it, I was like, ooh, yeah, this is. I want to do this for sure. Oh, yeah, you'd be great out yeah, there. I think I want to... I, and I and I battle in my head. I have this little inner dialogue going on of where I would fall in what we're talking about. Would I fall more towards Sharon's just just getting up there and just telling like I'm talking to you now, or would I get would I get wrapped up in the trying to nail the performance and anxiety over missing a word and this and that, right, which, is, right. which is crazy. No, you, and you wouldn't do that because I, I tell you another thing. You have a <clears throat> Excuse me, a nice voice to listen to. And I find oh, that some storytellers do too much elevating right. with their voices. They're, they're, they're very high or they're very low and they they don't... I, I think if you stay in the middle and you keep on a soft pedal, you're going to grab the audience more than if you start laughing and you start elevating and you start yeah. sounding like a hyena, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jackals. <laughs> you got to keep it nice and easy, nice and, and keep it flowing. Keep, you know, move yeah. it. Like yeah. you're trying to get somebody out of a burning barn. Just keep moving them out. Yeah. You know. maybe, you and I, maybe you and I will be out there yeah. together. We, that'd be great. So sure, that'd be yeah. awesome. That'd I, be I'm, waiting to, I'm waiting to hear when there's got to be some... And they look for people. Yeah, yeah, so I know. I, I should yeah. call you. I, I think when they lost that connection with that uh, radio station, they're having problems trying to find a spot. And oh, that, yeah. that was perfect. But yeah, no, that's too bad. It is too bad they lost that right. spot. Plus, that place is kind of cool. With that I, little I stage like it. there. Right, so right. It was great. Hmm. I don't know what happened with that friendship. That's too bad. Part partnership, but. Yeah, I've got a couple of good. I've been nursing a couple little stories. I like not even barely, barely getting into them, but uh, just nursing where I might go with it. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah, I will. What's happening? Huh? What's that? Okay. We're recording a podcast right now. We're recording a podcast? Yes. Oh, yeah. Is this podcast, what's the subject of this podcast? Uh, Sharon. Uh, close, Sharon. 
Well, we can't tell you right now because we're in the middle of doing it. Well, excuse me. That's all right. We'll fill you in, though. I have made a giant mess of things. Not at all. I really apologize. Not at all. It's perfect. I'm sorry. I was just very curious. So we're going to fill you in after I'm very curious person. I am an extremely curious individual, and yet the two of you, I, I should have... You were compelled. Engaged, and excuse me, I'm terribly sorry. No worries, my friend. terribly sorry. That was inappropriate of me. <laughs> You're fine. And he's gone. <laughs> I think the beer might have had something yeah, to do with that. Yeah, yeah I, I do too. Yeah, yes. it's, it's always amazing to me what beer can do. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> you must get that like in clubs, though. Oh, I get it That's all. That's a the huge time. part it's, of the clubs. It's, it's amazing. Some of the stuff that's happened when I'm out there performing is just some. You couldn't even make some of it up. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, the, the the night that uh. And good and bad. Yeah, the piano player just left. You know, I, I was in the middle of a tune. I turned around and there wasn't any piano behind me and he was gone. You know, I guess somebody bumped into his piano while he was playing and he got mad and, and he just stopped playing. He just, and it happened to the drummer one night too. Somebody started dancing and fell on his cymbal and dented the cymbal. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and he got up and left. And you're like in the middle of trying yeah, to finish you know, his performance. I'm, I'm always the one that stays there. <laughs> <laughs> the show must go on, I believe, right. is the uh, phrase. <laughs> I love it when 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 uh, club owners say, "Well, how many are the how many of you are there going to be? What, what do I have to pay for this?" I said, "Well, there's going to be five of us." Oh God, I can't pay five people. He said, "Can you narrow it down for me?" So you start taking out. You, you take out the guitar player, you take out the, the drummer, you think he said, can't you just come by yourself? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, don't, like, they don't get it. And you're sitting there going, maybe? Yeah, 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 come along. See how many people we keep in a room now. <laughs> Acapella. Acapella jazz. <laughs> can't you and the drummer just come? No. That's funny. Well, Sharon. This has been wonderful. Yeah, I really appreciate yeah, it. And we I could definitely it. like keep talking forever. And I and we I could. know there's like maybe we should do a podcast too. The, yeah, we someday. will. We, we can we, and we we make it just story after story because I'm sure yeah. you're oh, full I of got them. Tons of them. Tons oh. of, some funny ones, some yeah. sad ones, you know. You gotta gotta mix them up. And I think it's important to mix them up. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't you can't yeah. always have the audience Walking out of there on their crawling like a serpent, like on their bellies when they yeah. leave because they're so grossed out. Or yeah, or devastated. Morose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So you got to say something funny. Yeah. So will you edit this story before? Nope. You won't? Well, nope. I, well, you know, I think you should. Um, no, you're just going to leave everything like it is. Okay. Yeah, no. This is a uh, this is a, a push start and push. I think stop. you should take the word luster out because I couldn't think of it at the time. 
<laughs> That's all right. That's part of it. We all we all make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, that word just was one of the simplest words that I could think of all the others, but luster just just got totally away from me. That's, That's all right. right. I thought we had a great time. Yeah. Oh no, it's amazing yeah. getting to meet, yeah. getting to know you. It was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. That's like, what likewise. I feel like this was. This was like version one. Let's get to like get to know you. Get to know me. And all right. That. Really cool. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I made a friend. You're, I, you did. Yeah, I did. Right? Both exactly. did. It was great. Yeah. Really I won't nice. even. Uh, I won't even edit out drunk guy either. No, leave him in. Everything's he was, uh, He's proud of the. the proud of the. Uh, what do you call it? The yeah. ambiance. Yeah. Yeah, he's part of the. Yeah. That was very unusual. Yeah. I have to admit. That's funny. Well, you thanks guys, again. What are you guys doing anyway? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking. <laughs> Well, now right. we're getting distracted, if right, you must know. Right. Well, then, our, and then, then he said, well, I, I better go. And then he sat there for another 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so. So we're getting in touch, and I want definitely to come to your show because I love that stuff and I need to know where it's going to be and the time and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But then tell people, uh, just go over a little more clearly right before we sign off where they can go see you perform. Okay. I wish I knew. Let me, let me look at my... Or, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah a couple the, specific dates oh, if you right, have something in December or January. Yeah, in... Um, well, this weekend, as a matter of fact, um, Sunday. Well, we won't be. You won't be launched. Okay, you won't be launched. No, okay. for Let two me weeks see if I from can, now. In two weeks from now, let's yeah. see if I can find something on my calendar. I never keep this stuff in my head because I have so oh, God. much yeah. going on that I I just automatically put it in my phone and then I I check every day to make sure I don't miss it. Okay, in de- in December is when I'm doing that that play so oh when's the play the play is yeah i want to know about that too it's not, the play is going to be at the star theater in kittery and i don't have these dates in this particular calendar and i don't want to take uh, time to yeah so people could google them. they can google patrick doro yeah and all of his um and what's the name of the theater again the Star Theater. Star Theater the Star in Kittery. In Kittery. Yeah. Right. right. And then, of course, um, then we're going into another year. And I'm at the uh, wonderful Mount Washington Hotel on New Year's Eve. Oh, neat. Yeah. So. Oh, that'll be cool. But, yeah, that we, I stay pretty booked up. And if you hear of an agent out there that wants to take over this dreadful job, let me know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Putting a word out, put it out there, you never know. But then yeah. people can also, um, you play fairly regularly at the Beehive. I play at the Beehive at least um, once a month. And it's usually the third um, Saturday. And we do the early set. We do um, the 6.30 to 8.30 set. Oh, cool. And I'm at the Rudy's every third Sunday. Every third Sunday, the same time, all the time at Rudy's, downtown Portsmouth. The right. jazz brunch from 10 o'clock in the morning to 2 oh, cool. in the afternoon. That's and I'm at one. the Savory Bistro in Hampton every third Saturday. So those are two gigs, but they stay the same all the time. Okay. 
And then another one people could check out and just look into um, the, the Beat, Beat Hotel. The Beat Hotel in Harvard Square. Right. I'm Cambridge. not there as often as I'm at the Beehive, but okay. I do go there. All right. All right. So people can find you. Yeah, and I'm at the Dolphin Striker quite a bit, so they they can find me. All right. All right. Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. More than that. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Peace. Peace to you.